and welcome to Etc. Etc. with Young Southpaw. That's moi. Me, if you ain't got your French tongue on. This is episode number 15. Woo! I mean, now we're cooking, man. 15. I mean, I guess Depeche Mode had that, that little 15, but this is a big 15. I mean, when I was 15, let's see, Nevermind came out. I mean, I'm not saying this episode will be as, you know, culture-changing and era-defining as that album. But I'm also not, not saying that either. I mean, Nevermind is in the Nirvana album, not the absolutely killer replacements tune off Please to Meet Me. That was a little bit earlier. Who are we meeting today? Well, it's, it's Mr. Andrew Shaw. Runs the site Pop Bollocks and also the Silent Academy, which we're going to talk a lot about. Andrew's got a new book out called Questions, which is a series of unanswerable questions designed to bring you to a point where you can look at things in a different way. And Bill Drummond, yes, THE Bill Drummond, wrote the introduction. So let's get to it. All right. We're here today with Mr. Andrew Shaw. How you doing today, Andrew? I'm feeling pretty good, thank you. Excellent. Now, I want to talk to you because uh, you've managed to write a whole book without once mentioning Van Halen. <laughs> and that's remarkable, man. I mean, tell me about this. Well, I mean, did I manage to not mention Van Halen? Is not the presence of Dave Lee Roth inferred throughout the book well i mean obviously but i mean yeah <laughs> that's what that was my big takeaway but uh you know the words van halen did not appear in the book to the best right. of my knowledge i think most of the book is actually an anagram for some van halen lyrics but they're just uh you know the right words in the wrong sequence oh i i see it now ah oh, i should be paying more attention <laughs> it's subtle i mean i guess most books are you know yeah. So, so tell us a bit about the book, besides the overwhelming Van Halen uh, resonances. Okay, well, um, once I, once I um, thought, well, this book should be about Van Halen, but not, uh, not a pastiche of Van Halen, and uh, uh, I, I put that to one side, and I was interested in that. That that I was interested in the concept of the not knowing and where the brain goes where it doesn't know something uh i'm interested in zen and you know koan work and questions that are meant to be held rather than answered and, and i liked where the brain goes i've always been interested in altered states of consciousness um not necessarily um through drugs but you know through thought and music um especially the works of van Halen. And uh, so I, I took upon myself to write a sequence of questions that didn't even pretend that they wanted to be answered. And um, so the brain then was free to go to places where it could come back from the place of the unanswerable question and maybe have that openness to look at the real constructs or the more concrete constructs around it in everyday life so that's basically what the book is it's a sequence of questions that want to keep your mind in free fall as long as you're considering one or all of them 
Wonderful. Now, were there, they aren't intended to be answered, but did it ever occur that you inadvertently answered one of them? Oh, um, no, because they're not really literal. I think, um, I think what happens that, that, I mean, that question kind of the question that you just asked sums it up that we think that we, we need to know something. I was having a discussion, um, recently with somebody given that I'm an Englishman living in America and, uh, somebody joked about, you don't hear many Americans saying, please, thank you. Or I don't know. And everybody wants to be an expert on something. And I enjoyed the idea of admitting my own um, lack of knowledge or wisdom. <laughs> so um, I uh, maybe I answered that through the process, but not not any one individual question. Did I think, oh, here's an answer? No. I think it just underlined my inability to actually really know anything concrete ever mm. uh, and you know it did succeed during the process of kind of opening my own um usual opinions to being wrong there's a yogic practice i think in india where you just commit to being wrong in every answer which isn't to say that you go into a, an argument and then forcefully be wrong but just admit your own shortfall or you know your own failings and say well this just doesn't this doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I'll be wrong about this and resign to the person that you're, whose opinion is counter to yours. That sounds like it would be wonderfully healing for the world, but very few people would be able to get to that state. Well, I think so. And I mean, it's great metaphysically, but when you're met with a fascist, uh, you know, you start, you know, on the road, it's difficult to say, well, I'll let go of my own opinion about you. Um, mm. because some things I think are useful to hold on to, but as an exercise in, you know, healing, uh, and the creative process of being locked on to, I must achieve this. Well, what happens if you don't, you know, what's the worst that can happen if you, if you just let go of the idea of accomplishing this target, another target may be revealed. Um, so I think for creativity, um, maybe for mental health, um, anything that's internal, I think it's quite useful, but, um, and that of course then gives you some ballast to engage the fascist and then completely smash that because you are more open <laughs> and more focused for a moment of pause. Um, you know, now you mentioned smashing in the intro, in the intro, at the end of the intro, you write that your hope is that in accessing intuitive awareness, we are free to act with the full force of our nature to create some things and to smash some things completely yeah which reminded me of the damn song smash it up <laughs> and then the first question you pose uh does light from the stars create loneliness you know reminded me of that lush song light from a dead star it's like in what ways is this book a mixtape oh man Again, like the Van Halen. Yeah, absolutely. It is a mixtape, isn't it? I mean, is, is anything not a mixtape when you really think about it? Mm. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I like the idea that this, this is a, you know, a compilation of, uh, 
Well, I mean, in the truest sense, it's a compilation, like a mixtape is a compilation, but then it also has resonances and is, is your form of communication. And you pass it to a girl to impress them. Obviously. <laughs> or, you know, uh, an object of your affection. Yeah. I mean, why else would we do these things? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think, um, no, I think a mixtape's a pretty nice um, analogy, yeah. It's a grab bag of ideas and observations from everywhere and then scramble them up and hope there's some continuity that makes sense to anybody that spends time with it. Yeah. Yeah. Something interesting along the way. I like that a lot. Yeah. I miss mixtapes, man. Well, luckily we have your book now. Oh, yeah. I really miss mixtapes. <laughs> the Spotify playlist doesn't really cut it, does it? It really doesn't. Yeah. I mean having two sides that you would structure accordingly, you know? Right. Yeah. And sticking the pencil in the middle to correct it. <laughs> Following enough, that came up on the last episode of et cetera. Something about pens. I think the, the cassette was really the highest point of technology we needed. I don't need everything going on these days, but to be able to listen to music in your car. Yeah. I'm glad we got there. Yeah. And the unspooling, just even the word unspool. That's a good word. Yeah. Now, we were talking about Zen, which you're pretty familiar with. I have, I have a two-part question for you. You know, Jane's Addiction had that song, Pigs in Zen, you know? <laughs> how much do you think pigs know about Zen? And how much do you think Jane's Addiction know about pigs knowing about Zen? Oh, man, what a... I mean... Who was that French sociologist? He didn't he say something about it's not what pigs think they are, it's what those pigs think other pigs think them they are, and that's where their identity is. Oh, and I'm pretty cool. sure that, you know, Jane's addiction knew that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, but if you're asking me, you know, do what do pigs know about Zen? I'd say pigs are almost entirely Zen. Because of bacon. Ooh. And I say that as a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> And Woodhouse obviously knew something about this, you know, the Empress of Landings. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been listening to a lot of Woodhouse audiobooks that you know this year. You know, really helps with the you know the quarantine. Uh, right. But I'm surprised at how much the man wrote 91 novels. How much pig stealing was a part of them? Right. Yeah. I mean. How much pig coveting? I mean, once you touch on that subject, it's a deep well, right? I mean, it's something I've steered away from because it's just too big of a subject for me. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of writing, though, there's, there's no punctuation on any of these questions. I mean, how, how much time did that save you? And what, what was your oh, reason that, behind this? That shaved, that shaved so much time off the process because I don't think people need punctuation and I can't be bothered to do it. I mean, we trip over the, you know, the semicolon. Never mind a full colon. Ooh. Right? Yeah. That should be the name of that Sex Pistols album, you know. Instead of <laughs> my bugs. Yeah, never mind the colons. Um, like, who's really got time for that? What an endeavor, what an enterprise to spend, you know, is this a colon moment? Is this a semicolon? And is there ever really a full stop? 
I can't make those decisions. So now I decided to, you know, uh, thankfully I didn't have to unlearn the use of the semicolon or the colon because I never really understood them anyway. So I just stopped using them. That seems fortuitous. Yeah. Now, you mentioned birds a few times in these questions, and the sky also. So, I mean, how do you feel about that Bauhaus album, The Sky's Gone Out? <laughs> That's, that sounds like a question, though, right? The sky's gone out. Yeah. That's perfect. And yeah. like, that, that album, they do that cover a third uncle. I imagine Eno would be quite into your book. Man, that would be, yeah, I'd love, I'd love Eno to read my book. I was just thinking about him on the walk this morning. Um, how from simplicity, you know, he was talking about how from simplicity, great complexity comes. And the, um, the, the, the big aim is to be as simple as possible from, because from simplicity, a greater complexity can be exposed. Hmm. Have you read his A Year with Swollen Appendices? I have not, because every time I've found it, it's phenomenally expensive. Ooh, oh, that's a shame. A friend of mine loaned that to me in the late 90s. I loved it. And you've still got it. <laughs> now I return my books, man. Okay, good. <laughs> I, have, I have books that I've never seen again. Me too. Me too. Mm. That's, that's why I even try harder to return them at any cost. Some, some people. <sighs> The book thieves. <laughs> and get back to Bauhaus, like exquisite corpse. I imagine that you, you would be quite fond of that surrealist technique. I, I, like I said, I'm really fond of anything that takes the mind to a place where it's surprised. And so even if I don't particularly enjoy the aesthetic myself, I enjoy that somebody tries, you know, mm. uh, I really enjoy that somebody said, well, you know, they played with an expectation or altered somebody's moment through, you know, I'm just, I'm just learning uh, sleight of hand magic tricks oh. for, the same, for the same reason. I think that if you can do something simply and elegantly um, that we kind of know is simple and is a trick, there's, you know, um, but you can make people believe in magic for a moment. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm a fan of that work, but I like that somebody's doing it. Hmm. Now, this suspension you're talking about, where else do you see that going on in the world today? The suspension of the Thought. moment? Yeah. Um, I like, do you know, um, Oscar Santillan, there's a an artist he cut he he hit the papers in England a while ago because he cut the top of a mountain uh by an inch he shaved an inch off a mountain and then displayed it in an art gallery uh, I like stuff like that I like his work there's a uh there's a uh, an artist um in Reading in England Philip Newcomb who I'm quietly doing some work with for the Science Academy we're going to put something out he does great work um really simple uh usually site site specific work that's kind of magical and i don't kind of really want to describe it or what we're working on but he does things which are really 
uh, take mundane objects and give them a real numinous quality. Um, so I see it in those places, but I also see it in things that just like kids do, you know, when kids are playing, I really like that they don't care about scale. <laughs> so this, this car can belong with this person that would never fit in this car. And, you know, I, I, I like kind of, I like that too. Now you mentioned the silent Academy, which is kind of like an umbrella name for what you do, which immediately reminded me of Gerard Way's Umbrella Academy. Right. Is this like a counter to that? I mean, do you really think umbrellas are that loud? Oh, man, didn't... No, well, Tom Waits said he never carries an umbrella because there's always one around. And I'm not quite sure that's true. Yeah, I'm not sure that's true either. But Tom Waits was committed to that. I, I don't know if I've ever formed a deep opinion on about an umbrella. Though, um, they're really good at pointing at things. They are, they are. Uh, Usually at the rain. <laughs> <laughs> pointing at puddles and things that are wrong. But Steed, yeah. Man, yeah. I wonder if that was the secret to Tom Waits' success, man. He just relied on, you know, umbrellas that they'd just be there for him. And Steed would turn up. <laughs> Tom Waits should definitely write more songs about Mrs. Peel. Like a whole album, a whole double album. That would be amazing. The entire Avengers. Yeah, he could like a musical. Didn't he do a musical with Willem Burroughs? Did he? Yeah. Wow, I'm not aware of this. Were there yeah, umbrellas I'm sure did. Like, I'm sure if there weren't, he'd have found one because they're always around. Yeah. <laughs> Well, tell tell us a little bit about the Silent Academy. Is silence always around? Uh, no, I don't believe in. Um, I don't believe in uh, silence. Um, I think it's like happiness, and it doesn't really exist. And the pursuit of it will delay you from finding it. Um, mm. So it was a play of. Also, what do we really learn? And does anybody ever really, you know, I, I like the idea that it kind of contradicted itself. The name as a, um, a small, the, the aim is I'll be putting out some work of some other artists in artist books and a few events and things like that. So I like the idea that, well, um, who said the quote, man? It's, it's who was the, you know, who, who made the quote about dancing about architecture? It's often attributed to Zappa, and then I hear people say that that's not true. But I think Zappa no. is a safe bet. Yeah, okay. So let's say it was him, and then let people correct us. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of like that. There's, if you go to an art gallery, or, like, you listen to, you know, if you try and explain somebody why maybe Panama is the best song on 1984 yeah. by Van Halen, um, how can you describe it? There's no way because in and of itself it is perfect, right? It states itself that it is the best song, not only in 1984, but the best song probably released in 1984 or ever. Or perhaps in all of modern culture. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
I don't know if I believe in that, but for now, let's say I do. But it's like every uh, song should be declaring that. Any song with any real intent. I really think so. I, we're going off subject, right? But I thought the other day that maybe the second verse of John Lennon, where he comes in singing, ah, where Paul McCartney sings that he fell into a dream in A Day in a Life, that might be the best moment of modern culture. Mm. I'm almost entirely convinced that's true. And I'm going to hold that opinion for another 13 seconds. But um, what were we talking about? We were talking about Panama, but then there was a whole bunch of stuff before that. Uh, The Silent Academy. The Silent Academy. Oh, so the name was that it was kind of like a contradiction, but it also suggests that, of course, it's a nonsense, that there is no silence. You can't find silence anywhere. And so it was a, it was my idea that it would... Um, anything that happened within it was just enough. It didn't need to be necessarily talked about or... Um, because I don't really like noise, um, but it's always there. You know, to, to try and have... Uh, to try and describe silence, you're going to have to make some noise. Mm. So that was my intention with naming naming it that. Cool. Now, whoa, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Mr. Bill Drummond wrote the forward to questions. Now, how did this come right. about? Well... I don't know if he did write a foreword. Um, he's, so some years ago, I uh, wrote to Bill Drummond, and he's kind of like a Zen master himself, because I said, oh, you know, mm. can I have a couple of questions? Meaning I would like to ask a couple of questions. Mm. And he wrote back and gave me two questions. <laughs> Excellent. As, in a, as, a pub, like as a homework assignment. And he said, I want you to answer these two questions. Each one must be answered with a thousand words. Ooh. And they must be submitted by, I think I had a weekend to do them, uh, to respond. And then from there, we struck up a conversation. And I also had him involved in another project that I did where he would, he supplied me with, very, very generously with um uh, some embedded videos. I, it, it, that's too big of a thing to. That's a too big of a tangent. Um, it's cool stuff, anyway. though. We should mention it. It's it's people should check those out. Oh well, um, Bill was doing sixty second talks um, where he would uh, either reflect on or uh, announce or just share updates on things, and they were sixty second. He produced 60 60 second video clips where he speaks directly into the camera. And um, it was previously done anonymously, but on a music blog I was producing, or I do produce, called Pop Bollocks. Uh, Bill let us share those video clips and they weren't available anywhere else um, other than his own website, which he shared them on one. Uh, on, I don't think they're there anymore, actually. Yeah, but, I haven't uh, seen them in a while. Oh, man. So yeah. brought it uh, up just to taunt people that they won't be able to see them. Right, but you can only see them now on Pop Bollocks. So oh, they're still on Pop Bollocks. 
cool. Yeah, they're fine on pot bollocks, but they, he would release one, I think, a day on a cyclical 60-day uh, schedule. And so you could tune in, and it, it was like a, it was, that was almost like being in free fall. Anyway, um, we spent a few years backwards and forwards talking and sharing, you know, bits and pieces about what we we're working on. And then, um, given he has a quite, if you know Bill or his work, he has a, let's say, famous uh, refusal to answer questions, mm. uh, uh, either around media or art or anything like that. So I thought, well, he's the perfect guy to ask to write a forward for a book called Questions, which don't seek to be answered. Um, because he doesn't like to answer questions and these questions don't want to be <laughs> answered. So it made sense that he would be an appropriate author for the forward. So he, in response, wrote a, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a 60 second play. I think it takes 60 seconds to that would make perform. Uh, but it's very complimentary will... to your idea. It was very cool. I was really chuffed because, I mean... Bill is one of those uh, artists that does tend to think about things slightly to the left. I'm sure he would hate that being said. Um, so <laughs> I should underline it. <laughs> he, 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 he doesn't. He doesn't usually dabble in the usual space. Or um, I don't. I also don't think he really gives too much of a fuck about whether people get it immediately or not. So no. <laughs> he's, he's quite, he's been quite, he's been very kind and very supportive from almost the first time we started speaking to each other. So awesome. uh, I'm enormously grateful for his contribution to the book. Yeah. Now in this forward, you said it's like a 60 second play. He's talking to the man, right? Which was the name of his 1986 solo album, right? And yet the words attributed to the man in this play are not the lyrics to set the, you know, those songs, you know, but rather questions to Bill Drummond himself. Uh -huh. I mean, it, it would have been crazy if like it was his 1986 solo album, you know, if that was just a reading of this forward to your book, which came out 36 years later. I, I'm not sure how like the time warping would work there, but and that's not what happened. So whew. I think maybe we should do that for the reprint. Ooh. I don't know if he'd be in for it. I know that, um, did you know that he's on uh, a world tour where he performs a certain amount of art pieces? And one of them is he gets a local, I don't think they're professional bands, but a local band, whether he's in Calcutta or I think he's going somewhere like Damascus is, is on the list. Uh, he was somewhere in North Carolina. He goes all around the world and does, there's, um, the director, Paul Duane, shot a movie called Best Before Death, and it follows Bill on a couple of visits. But anyway, um, in this process, he does have a local band to these cities, where, and they play traditional, non-traditional instruments, and they cover one of the songs from his album, oh. The Man. Yeah, so maybe that would be a cool thing to get some lyrics and uh, put them in the reprint for the next edition. So, so that's all my questions, man. You got anything else you want to add? Like, what's going on with you in the near future? Um, 
there's nothing I am. I'm there's going to be so questions is the middle book of three that I had planned in this sequence. A uh, it's a trilogy. Oh, so there's good. couplets is the first questions in the middle and coordinates will be the next one. Um, maybe this is me making that big announcement. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's say that. Yeah. Um, it, so that will be a, a similarly uh, formatted book on the nature of um, memory. Uh, so yeah, I'm working on that and I'm working on a long form creative, what would you call it? Creative fiction book called The Archive of Sky, which is about emptiness. Mm. I like all the, you know, silence, emptiness, the absence of, <laughs> to show the kind of vitality of things rather than emptiness. You, speaking of coordinates, you in one of the questions you use the phrase secret cartographies, which I dug. Just like it's <laughs> aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I like the idea of... I kind of loved drawing maps when I was a kid, like to made up places. Yeah. I've never got rid of that habit of uh, mapping things, like putting physical... Uh, physical shapes to imagined concepts and then drawing maps about them. I really like, and I think that's what we do with memory. So that's where the next book's going to be in this strange, invisible map. <laughs> that totally seems to be what you're doing. Uh, maps to uh, invisible places. Yeah, I hope so. Excellent. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I've, there's not very many things that have made me laugh out loud recently, but I'd, it's somewhere between us that happens, so I'm enormously grateful. Excellent. All right. I really enjoyed that, man. Fascinating stuff, as always, with Andrew Shaw. You can get the book at silentacademy.com, so go do that. There's a bunch of other cool stuff on there, as well as on Pop Bollocks. I love how his books are designed to fit in the back pocket of your jeans, man. That's cool. In Southpaw news, I've been having lots of talks with friends lately about those Kiss solo albums from 1978, completely reevaluating them, you know? I mean, there's some good stuff on there. I have a whole new appreciation for Paul's. And I realized that much like the prohibitions behind studying Kabbalah, one won't really be ready to understand Peter Chris's solo album until they're at least 40 years old. So there's a whole bunch of stuff up at youngsouthpaw.com. If you like this stuff, please you know, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, y'all, and I'll catch you next time.